And if you would open your Bibles to the book of Acts, we are marching, or some may even say crawling our way through the book of Acts. I think we're making pretty good time, actually. Considering that there are 28 chapters, and we are in chapter 16. Acts chapter 16, verses 11 through 15. Hear the word of God. And so, setting sail from Troas, we made a direct voyage to Samothrace, and the following day to Neapolis, and from there to Philippi, which is a leading city of the district of Macedonia and a Roman colony. We remained in this city some days, and on the Sabbath day we went outside the gate to the riverside where we supposed there was a place of prayer. And we sat down and spoke to the women who had come together. One who heard us was a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple goods who was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul, and after she was baptized and her household as well, she urged us, saying, If you have judged me faithful to the Lord, come back to my house and stay. And she prevailed upon us. Let's pray. Father, as we have read your word, I pray that your word would act like an arrow directed to each of our hearts, that we would fall in love with our Lord Jesus all over again this morning as we worship him. Father, I pray that if there are any here who do not know him, that uh, through Lydia and through her conversion that we are reading about this morning, that they would um, learn about the Lord Jesus and uh, reach out for Him, turn and be converted. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. (laughs) Does religion have any value? I think our society would say no. Many Christians... Uh, I think would also agree. Many Christians think that religion is the biggest problem with Christianity. They would say that Christianity is not about religion, but it's about a relationship. You've heard that before, haven't you? There are many religious people who are not Christians. There are many religious people who say, Lord, Lord, but who are strangers to the Lord Jesus Christ. I agree. Religion allows people to hide from God. They can go through the motions. They can go to church. They can sing the hymns. They can bow their head during the prayers. And they can even give generously their money when the offering plate is passed, but still not be Christians. Are there any of you here this morning who are going through the motions? Are there any of you here who are strangers to Jesus Christ, even though you are faithful in your church attendance? 
This is tragic. As so many people use religion to keep God at hand's length, at arm's length. Maybe you do a little bit. Maybe even you do a lot. Just so that you can ignore God when you want to. Well, I'll give Him Sunday morning. I'll give Him everything on Sunday morning so that Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, I can live for myself. Jesus said that there are many who try this strategy. There are many who are on the broad road. There are many who say, Lord, Lord, look at all these wonderful things we did. There are many who come to church. But Jesus said, Matthew chapter 7, there are few who know Him. So I ask again with all earnestness, are you hiding from God this morning behind religion? Don't allow a religious profession to send you to hell with a good conscience or with a clear conscience. Now in light of all these statements, you may be surprised to hear that I believe that religion actually has great value. James chapter 1 verses 26 and 27 uh, mentions religious specifically. James says, If anyone considers himself religious and does not keep a tight rein on his tongue, he deceives himself and his religion is worthless. But religion that that our God and Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. And in Romans 9, verses 1 through 5, the Apostle Paul talks about the virtues of the Jewish religion. And he is longing for his brothers, the Jews, to come to know Jesus. And he says they have all these these valuable things in their religion. But yet they are using these things that God meant for good to hold God at arm's length. And so he says in in Romans 9, I speak the truth in Christ. I am not lying. My conscience confirms it in the Holy Spirit. I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart for I wish that I myself were cut off from Christ for the sake of my brothers, those of my own race, the people of Israel. Theirs is the adoption of sons. Theirs the divine glory. Theirs the covenants the receiving of the law, the temple worship and the promises. Theirs are the patriarchs and from them is traced the human ancestry of Christ who is God over all forever praised. Amen. And God had given them the temple worship, the promises, all these things. And they were to use them to be able to draw near to God, to find out about God. Instead, they used them for the opposite purpose of keeping God at arm's length. As you read through the Scriptures, 
you find that the Bible really does value religion. God valued the religion that He gave the Israelites. On Wednesday nights, we've been looking through the book of Exodus and all the different laws that God gave um, for Israel to worship Him so that they could find out about Him. Religion also... Uh, helps keep, uh, people keep from living these these crazy, whacked out life as um, as unbelievers, just doing what they want to. Um, religion has that restraining effect on people. Religion, in other words, helps people have a a set of moral standards and even a worldview that includes God at some level. Our country. And our society, which hates religion, is actually benefiting from a country and a society, a culture that is informed by Judeo-Christian religion. Um, There are children in our own congregation who are not saved but are benefiting from having parents who are faithful to the Lord Jesus Christ. Religion is helpful, but it doesn't save you. The reason why I'm mentioning this is Lydia is a religious person. Look at verse 14. One who heard us was a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple goods who was a worshiper of God. She was religious, but she wasn't saved. Now, just let me take a moment to say, how did Paul get here? How did he get to Philippi? Well, remember he was in Asia Minor. He went this way. God said, don't go this way. So he went this way. God said, don't go that way. And so finally, he, uh, Paul had that dream in the middle of the night. He saw the man from Macedonia saying, come over here and help us. And then Paul immediately obeyed. He made a, a beeline west for the nearest port, hopped a ship across the Aegean Sea, and went over to Macedonia. Uh, Once he arrived there, um, he made it. He he arrived at Samothrace. The next day, he went to Neapolis, and then from there, he went on to Philippi. And so, he is in the city of Philippi. Philippi was a Gentile city. In fact, they did not have a synagogue there. But yet, Paul is going to a Jewish worship service. Um, ancient Jewish law said in order to have a synagogue you have to have at least um, ten households or ten families that had uh, males at the, um, as the head of the household. And so it's a different culture. It was, uh, if you had a hundred women who had gathered, they would say you can't have a synagogue. You had to have at least ten men. That was the nature of the culture there and of the Jewish law. It was not a. It was not the law of God, um, but that was the law at the time. Apparently, they did not have ten males, and so what the the alternative was, uh, and this was a Jewish law, that you could find a place of worship if you if you didn't have a synagogue, and it had to be out uh, under the open sky. In other words, it couldn't be in a building. 
and it had to be near a river. For whatever reason, that's what the law was. And so that perfectly explains why the Apostle Paul on the Sabbath day is walking down to the river to find a place of prayer. So it says on the Sabbath day, verse 13, we went outside the gate to the riverside where we supposed there was a place of prayer and we sat down and spoke to the women who had come together. And so there's these women who were worshippers of God, um, God-fearers, and they had gathered to worship um, in the Jewish way of religion. Uh, they met Lydia. She was a businesswoman. She uh, sold purple fabrics. And she was a Gentile. But she is worshipping here with these uh, other Jewish ladies. In fact, she is called a worshipper of God. Uh, we met other worshippers of God in the book of Acts who were not Christians. Uh, Cornelius would be one. Uh, they are sometimes called God-fearers. And undoubtedly, Lydia was there because she was sincere and devout in her worshiper, in her worship, yet she was not saved. You can desire to know God and not know Him. Think about the young rich ruler. The young rich ruler, what must I do to be saved? He asked the Lord Jesus. And yet he went away unsaved. The people in Matthew seven twenty one through 23, Lord, Lord, look at all these wonderful things we've done. Look at all these things we've done in your name. We've healed people. We've done marvelous work. We've even cast out demons in your name. And Jesus said, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you. And they went off into eternity apart from Jesus. Even though they were calling out, Lord, Lord, Jesus and Jesus. Look at the Israelites. Look at the Pharisees. In many ways, they would put us all to shame in their desire to know God. But yet, they never knew Him. Are there some of you here who want to know God, but yet are not really seeking Him? I heard a verse... Uh, actually, it was this morning, and it just came to me. This, this perfectly explains, and I had to change my sermon around to, to accommodate this verse, because this perfectly illustrates these types of people. Luke 13, verses 22 through 30. Jesus went through the towns and villages, teaching as he made his way to Jerusalem. Someone asked him, Lord, are only a few people going to be saved? He said to them, make every effort to enter through the narrow door, because Many, I tell you, will try to enter and will not be able to do so. Once the owner of the house gets up and closes the door, you will stand outside knocking and pleading, Sir, open the door for us. But he will answer, I don't know you or where you come from. Then you will say, We ate and drank with you and taught in our and you taught in our streets. But he will reply, I don't know you or where you come from. Away from me, all you evildoers. There will be weeping there and gnashing of teeth when you say when you see Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, but you yourselves 
thrown out. People will come from the east and west, north and south, and will take their places at the feast in the kingdom of God. Indeed, there are those who are last who will be first, and first who will be last. These people, at some level, wanted to get into the kingdom of God. But they were not born again, and they could not enter. Remember how Jesus said to Nicodemus, You cannot see the kingdom of God unless you were born again? The scripture says, Even at some level, whatever level, and whatever that means to you, you want to know God unless you were born again. You cannot enter into the kingdom of God. 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 2, verse 14 says, The man without the Spirit cannot understand the things of the Spirit, for they are spiritually discerned. If he doesn't have the Spirit, they will be foolishness to him. God must open the heart. And that's what happened to Lydia. Look again at uh, verse 14. She was there listening And as the Apostle Paul was preaching, the Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. Even though she was worshiping God and whatever that meant for her, it brought her there. But it wasn't until God opened her heart that she responded uh, to God and became a Christian. If you're here this morning... And you're not born again. We're glad you're in church. We're glad that you're in a religious service of worship. Where you can hear the Word of God read. Where you can hear the Word of God sung. Where you can hear the Word echoed in our prayers. Where you can hear the Word of God proclaimed through the preaching. We are glad that you are in a religious service of worship. Maybe you were like Lydia. You're here. You want to go to heaven. And you're hearing the Word. And maybe for the first time God has opened your heart to respond. What this says is that non-Christians I believe, do have a personal responsibility to do what they can. You'll never earn your salvation by doing. But place yourself under the preaching of the Word of God. Or better yet, or rather, um, also, let me say, I don't know if I should say better yet, because I think that uh, the preaching of the Word is, uh, is God's uh, ordained means of bringing people to salvation. But through the week, put yourself in God's Word. Open God's Word. Take a pen and paper. And write as you read the passage. Well, what does this passage mean? And paraphrase it. And then maybe ask yourself the question, what do I learn about God here in this passage? Also, what do I learn about me? How can I apply this to my life? And just journal from the Scriptures. Ask those simple questions. What does it mean? What do I learn about God? What do I learn about me? How can I apply this to my life? And let God use His Word in your life. 
faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of Christ. I need to be uh, concluding here. I want to tell you about a man in my last church. Um, Mr. George. He was an old, uh, older gentleman, probably in his 80s. Had been born and raised in the church. Very moral man. A pillar there ever was a pillar in the community and he had been a pillar in the church he had been one of the chief people to to help them um, start the new church he had given countless hours in service of the church countless money of his own money to the church and he was there every time the door of the church was opened he was there for the different meetings. And we had a group of men, like our Saturday morning men's group. And uh, one of the men invited him to come. Let's come have some breakfast. And, and uh, we studied the Bible together and he came. One year went by. Two years went by. Three years went by. One morning we're sitting there. And he said, I've never been a Christian. The Word of God in that intimate setting had been working on him little bit by little bit by little bit. And he realized he had never been born again. And there as we are meeting, God opened his heart. And it was so shocking that a number of the men tried to talk him out of it. No, I'm sure you were a Christian. And he would not be dissuaded. He said, I was never a Christian. I was doing those things for my benefit. I never knew what it meant to love Jesus until now. God opened his heart. And so, if you're not a believer, if you've got questions about these things, Put yourself in the way. Put yourself in the in the, the path of salvation. What I mean by that is open God's Word. Give your attention to it. Give your attention to the preaching of God's Word. Seek God. Ask God. God, I want to know You. The Bible says, when you seek Him with all your heart you indeed will find Him. I'm not saying that you can be saved by doing good things. I'm not denying total depravity. But there are a lot of people who in some way or some fashion want to know God. They don't know Him. They are totally depraved. And yet, as God's Word impacts their life, God uses His Word to change them. And it's only God who can change them. But when He changes a person, you better believe He will change that person. I don't know when I became a Christian. It was over a several month period. But all of a sudden, I woke up and I realized 
as I'm looking back over my last few weeks, my life had changed. Why did my life change? Because my desires changed. Instead of wanting to get into heaven to save my, to be saved and, and have eternal life, all of a sudden, I loved Jesus. And it broke my heart to do the things that I had been doing weeks before. Let's pray together. Almighty God, You opened Lydia's heart after drawing her out to that place of worship. And You drew her to Yourself. Father, it's even more striking Your sovereign hand involved here. When You were telling Paul no two different times in Asia Minor, It's because your sovereign eternal love was placed on Lydia and you wanted Paul to meet her and proclaim to her the gracious gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Father, I pray that if there are any here who do not know the Lord Jesus, Father, I pray that your word would work on them night and day because faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of Christ. Father, I pray that they would put themselves in the way, put themselves in the position to hear Your Word and for Your Word to be at work in them and upon them. Father, as we prepare now to um, celebrate the communion supper together, I pray that Jesus Christ would be here with us and that He would convict our hearts as the Holy Spirit has promised to do, of sin, of righteousness, and of truth. I pray in His name. Amen. Our hymn of response.